Greetings, everybody. It's, it's, a greeting, uh, it's a great honor for me to be here today. And I trust that you're going to be deeply blessed by the message that we have. Uh, we want to thank everybody here. Uh, Pastor Miyunda and his wife for everything that you have been doing for us in assisting us to preach the gospel in this area and bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. I have a vision in my heart and that is to preach the gospel of God's love for us. To preach the gospel of grace. We want to preach a message that was preached by the Apostle Paul. Something that can truly bring a change to our lives. Today I'm going to be talking about the righteousness that is a free gift to us all. So that you can know that you stand righteous before God. You, you, you are qualified before God. Not by your works, but by the grace of God. Only by the love of God. God did not come to bring laws. He did not come to bring laws whereby we are saved. He's come to bring His grace. The grace of God is not just a part of the gospel of Jesus. The grace of God is the gospel. Amen. We don't have an angry God. We, we don't have a God that looks at our lives looking at what's wrong so that He does not have to bless us. God knows that we are just human beings. God knows a human being will commit sin. God knows a human being is not perfect. Therefore, he is not uh, expecting perfection from us. What God is doing is he's promising us his perfection. The only way we can be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is by God making us perfect. Not by our own works. Now with that in mind, we're going to look at Psalm 130. Psalm 
And I'm going to look at verse 3. Look about a fact. Before I read verse 3, I want to say this. The world needs the message of God's grace. Amen. The church needs the message of the love of God. The church does not need the message of how much we must love one another. No. The church has forgotten the first love. The first love is that God first loved us. The second love is the love we have for one another because God loves us. The gospel is not the message of how you must love your neighbor. Even in the Old Testament, it, it, it was already preached that you must love your neighbor. That means that when Jesus came, it had to be something different than the commandment to love your neighbor. The gospel is not about how you must love your neighbor. The gospel is not even about how much you must love God. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not you must love God. That is not the gospel. The apostle Paul explains the gospel. And nowhere where Paul explains the gospel does he use the message that we must love God. Neither does he use the message that we must love our neighbor as the gospel. The gospel is not about your love for God. The gospel is not about your love for your neighbor. The gospel is not about how you worship God. The gospel enables us to worship God. But the gospel is not the message of how we must worship God. When we preach the true gospel, the message of no condemnation, the message of God's love for humanity, I'm sure we'll find more people get saved. All the people, including the church, know that they cannot live perfectly by their own lives. The gospel is not about your commitment towards God. 
If the gospel was based on your commitment towards God, there would be no gospel. The gospel is built on the rock, Jesus Christ. The gospel is not built on you. It's not built on how you love your neighbor. The gospel is not built on how much you fast or pray. The gospel is not built on your giving in the church. The gospel is the message that Jesus died and that he rose again and he promises you eternal life. Paul preached the gospel as Jesus that rose from the dead. And through the faithfulness of Jesus is promised to everyone eternal life. All we do is believe. That is all. As we believe, we find God bring love to our heart. The gospel is not about how you praise God. It's not about your commitment to God. It's not about your faithfulness. If, if the gospel is about our faithfulness towards God, then God has wasted his time. Because each one of us will find somewhere in our lives we are not faithful enough. Now I'm going to read from Psalm 130 and verse 3. I'll read everything and then my interpreter will read. If you, Lord, keep a record of sins, who can stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that we can serve you with reverence. If, if the Lord keeps record of sin, who can stand? Now the scripture says, with God is forgiveness. And the forgiveness is there for a reason so that we might have reverence for God. The only way you can have reverence for God is based on your understanding of how He gives forgiveness as a free gift. Amen. So it says here that if God takes account of sins, no person can stand. 
che ivulachana ku mulimu kambe watalima na lukuri yena tata meguma soka pa libizalo na kona mutya So God brings forgiveness Che mulimu utisaswalelo He offers deliverance so that when we see how he gives forgiveness by his love then we will respect him you remember uh, Peter was complaining to Jesus because there came a woman and washed his feet the feet of Jesus and she dried uh, uh, the, the feet Uh, uh, the tears was on the feet of Jesus. And then she uh, used her hair to dry the feet. And they complained to Jesus about this. And Jesus said, When I came to your house, you gave me nothing. But this woman, look at the beautiful thing that she's done. Why did the woman do that? He says, because she was forgiven much, she loves much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Now Peter did not think he was such a big sinner. But he thought the woman was a big sinner. This scripture here, it teaches us the more we can see the forgiveness of God. The more we will love God. The commandment that God has towards us is not to love him. But to receive his forgiveness. <coughs> And the more you receive forgiveness, the more you find love comes naturally from you. God wants us to love him. As what I want my wife to love me. But I cannot command my wife to love me. I have to do things to her that will bring love in her heart for me. If I tell my wife you must love me otherwise I divorce you. You'll find that she she will do good things but it's because she's scared. Amen. It's because she's scared. Where will I live? She will wonder where will she live because I'll chase her from my own house. She will think maybe she must go back to her parents. And then she will be afraid of me. She will cook for me. She will be friendly. But all of that would only be because she's afraid of punishment. 
My wife, I've never told her that she must love me. I've just loved her. That is all. I've just loved her. And then the love that I bring to her brings love in her heart to me. How much more God? We were made from the dust of the earth. How can dust love? No. The only way dust can love is if love is poured out into the dust by the one who made man from the dust. You can take one bucket of sand and then you tell that bucket of sand, love me. You'll be disappointed every day. Because dust cannot love. The only way dust can love is if the love that I have can be put inside the dust and a man can be formed that's filled with the love I gave it. I want to read Psalm uh, 103 and verse 13. This Psalm 103, It says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on us who fear him. Verse 14. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Amen. God knows that he has to have compassion on us as a father has on his children. For he knows that we are just dust. But by our own ability, we can never be righteous. That's why it says in Psalm 130, verse 7. 130, verse 7. It says, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for the Lord is unfailing love, and with Him is full redemption. Amen. 
So we see the psalm writer, what he's saying is the following. If the Lord looks at our sins, who can stand? Nobody. That's why he has got a relationship with us based on his forgiveness. The more we see his forgiveness, the more we see his forgiveness, the more we will have respect for God. I many times hear people say, we must love God. We must worship God. If that must be said to somebody as a commandment, it means the person doesn't know what God has done for him. John says that we love him for he first loved us. If you don't love God, it's because you don't know how much he loves you. You, we need to put the focus in Kalabu on how much God loves people. We should not have one message in our ears that is not focused on how much God loves us. And that is very, very important. We need to understand the gospel is about God's faithfulness towards his creation. The gospel is good news. When we preach in the market, when you preach to the sinners, and when they hear the gospel, they must say, this is very good news. It is good news. You know, when you go to uh, uh, people that are in the bar, drinking, what would be the good news for them? Is that God loves them. That God accepts them. It would be a message of no condemnation. Where the focus would be on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. The focus must not be on how committed they are to beer. The focus must be on God's love for sinners. Jesus Christ was a friend of sinners. The sinners, the Bible say, loved to be around Jesus. But the Bible says that the, the Jewish pastors, they didn't like to be around Jesus. Why? 
Because Jesus was giving everything for free to the sinners. He loved the sinners. That is what he did. He healed the sick. Those were sinners. He touched the lepers. Which was not part of the custom of the day. The Greek woman came to Jesus. And Jesus said to her, according to our culture, you are a dog. But then she said to Jesus, even if I'm a dog, then I am your dog. And you care for your dogs. You can be a dog, it just depends on whose dog you are. <laughs> if I am God's dog, you'll find I will live better than a king in the kingdom of the devil. The devil cannot care for his kings as good as what God can care for his dogs. Amen. Amen. So even if you think you are just a dog, you just say, I'm Jesus' dog. Jesus said to the woman, your prayer is answered. Your faith has made you whole. What did she believe? She believed that she was not a Jew. She was not qualified according to the law. But she believed that Jesus was greater than the disqualification of the law. According to the law, she was just a dog. According to the law, she was just a sinner. But what she said was that God, you can even be good to a sinner. Her prayer was answered. But the Pharisees that were there, that were looking to the law, their prayers were not answered. Because they, they did not believe in the goodness of God. Their focus was on their commitment to the kingdom of God. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is like a man who went and he sowed some seed in the ground. And then one day he sees the seed comes out. And then you find more leaves coming. 
And then you find the fruit coming. It says it grows, but no one knows how. It just grows by the power of God. We don't have to try to grow the kingdom of God. The kingdom grows by itself. The Bible says that Jesus advances his kingdom. We who are saved, we are the place where we see the advance of his kingdom. The kingdom of God will grow anyway. So many times as preachers, we, we want to put our focus on how the members must grow the, grow the kingdom. I'm not saying we cannot do anything in the kingdom of God. I mean, I've come from South Africa, I've come here. <laughs> so we are busy. But I am not doing it from a commandment. It's a fruit of the love of God. Nobody can say, look at Bertie, look at what a good person he is. No, this is not done by my own willpower. It is God that brought it forth. It's like the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, it is not I who live, but Christ who lives. It's not about our commitment to the kingdom. It's about a loving father, loving his people, and we receiving the love of God. Amen. I want to read from uh, Romans chapter 3. Remember, whenever you hear a message that makes you tired, you know it is not the gospel. Many times we hear messages from the pulpit. Then when we go home, we feel tired. You can say, God, I already have a lot of problems. Now I go to the church, now I get more problems. It's almost like you, go to, you come to the hospital, then when you are at the hospital, now you must work at the hospital. I don't know about your hospital, but in South Africa, the patient is not the one that's cleaning the hospital. 
The patient is not the one that's cleaning the hospital. No, it is the one that is being healed by the doctors. Amen. I've mentioned it here last time. When you go to the doctor, you are not scared. Because you know you're going to get healing from him. Many of us, we are not scared of the doctor. Even if you have HIV, if you've got HIV, you want the doctor. You are waiting for the doctor. You go to the hospital, you cannot wait. Why is the doctor taking so long? But when it comes to Jesus, we are saying, oh, Jesus mustn't come today. Because then we're in trouble. Maybe if he can come in five years, it's good, but not today. We first want to prepare ourselves for his coming. We are scared of the judgment of God. No, you don't have to be scared of the judgment of God. God's judgment is like this. He judges you as righteous by the mercy in his heart and then he gives you the gift of eternal life. I want to be judged by God because his judgment will bring me healing. It's like going to a judge and he's a righteous judge. You know he will not punish you. Especially if you are righteous. By Jesus Christ, we have become the righteousness of God. By the law, we cannot. But by the grace of God, we are being made the righteousness of God in Christ. Not by our own works. Not by what we do. But by believing on Him. What must we believe upon Him? That He loves us. How did He love us? He took away all our sin. In Jesus Christ. And now he has put us inside Jesus. And we are washed with the very life of Jesus. He has made us clean. Amen. And when we go to him, we go as people that have been cleansed by Jesus. We are righteous by his doing. Let's read Romans 3. And I'm going to go to verse uh, 19. I think it's 19. No, uh, sorry. Yeah, Romans 3, 16. Romans 3, and we are going to verse uh, 
19. It says, Now we know that whatsoever the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be silenced and that the whole world may be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we've become conscious of our sin. So the purpose of the law is to show you your sin. So that you can know that only by the love of God can you be saved. Amen. The law is not to help you to live holy. The law is there to help you that you know you cannot live holy. So that you can turn to Jesus so that he can give you eternal life as a gift. Whenever you read the Old Testament, after reading, you must say, okay, by my own works I can never be saved. By my own works I cannot even live holy. Thank you for your forgiveness, O God. And a holy life is a gift from you. It's not something I must do. The fruit of the Holy Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of your willpower. The Bible says love is kind. Love is patient. That does not mean you must now try to be kind. It doesn't mean that you must try to be patient. The Bible says God is love. And love is kind. That means God is kind. God does not get angry quickly. The Bible says love keeps no score of evil done to it. And it says God is love. That means God does not keep score of the evil that we've done to him. Whenever we read the scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, we don't read it as an instruction to our actions. We read it as an instruction of God's love towards us. 
where God promises us his life where he's the author of good actions in us I hope you understand what I'm saying for too long the focus was on us and what we must do we have not seen the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ most of the church today they don't even know why Jesus had to be raised from the dead in order for us to be forgiven I've got contact with many pastors even if we go to a pastor's conference and I say to the pastors Jesus died for our sins so by the shedding of his blood we are forgiven why would the apostle Paul say in 1 Corinthians 15 without the resurrection there's no forgiveness of sin if I ask them why is the resurrection needed for forgiveness of sin I have not found one pastor that can answer that question yet it is the building block of Christianity the problem today is that we don't understand the gospel the church doesn't know the gospel pastors don't know the gospel the church is, needs to get back to the gospel the good news of Jesus people kind of understand why Jesus had to die on the cross but they don't know why he was raised from the dead how does the resurrection of Jesus make me live a holy life why is it like that the church don't understand and it is time that we look at the scripture not to think how we can have a good service next week we should seek understanding what is the gospel the gospel cannot be founded on your commitment towards God because then the gospel will never exist in earth Let me, there's so many scriptures, but I have to end now. Let us go to, uh, let's read Romans 3 and verse 22. God gives righteousness as a free gift. It says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. 
Yeah, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Then it goes on, it says, Therefore, okay, there is no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. You don't have to read, just translate. There's no difference between a Jew and a Gentile. For all have fallen short, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Listen to this. All have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. Now listen to this. That is why all are justified freely by grace. Why are we justified by grace? Why is eternal life only by grace and not our works? Because by our works we are all sinners. And all are justified by His grace through the redemption that came through Christ Jesus. So righteousness is a free gift. This blessedness, is it only for the Jews or for everybody? It is for everybody. My last verse. It says, Now to the one who works, wages is not credited as a gift, but an obligation. So that means, let's say I get somebody to help me at my house. When they build the walls, I don't come after they've built, then I say, I've got a gift for you. Here is a 10,000 kwacha. No, the man will not say it's a gift. He will say, he will say I've worked. And if you don't pay me, I go to the police. You shall pay me. You don't gift your worker. So if we work for God, and He gives for us because of our work, it is not a gift. It's payment. But salvation is a gift. It says no one who works uh, wages is credited as a gift. It's an obligation. 
Now listen to verse 5. The last verse. However, to the one who does not work, but trust in the God who blesses the ungodly, his faith is credited for righteousness. So in order to stand righteous before God, what must we do? We must believe that God justifies the ungodly. Abraham was ungodly. He was worshipping idols. Then, then God came to Abraham while he was a sinner and he promised him a promise. Then Abraham believed that he can be the father of many nations. When God promised him while he was a sinner, he believed God. What did he believe? He believed that God could justify a sinner. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. If you want to be righteous, you should not try to stop your sin. You should believe in the God that justifies the sinner. His justification which he freely gives will then bring a holy life to you. You don't stop your sin to be blessed. You believe that God blesses a sinner and the blessing of God to a sinner is a new life. Do you understand? You are deeply loved by God. Your sin could not separate God from you. Your sin draw God to you. The same way as what uh, a, 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 a sickness draws a doctor. When coronavirus came into the world, it drawed scientists. It drew doctors. The sickness draws the doctor. Sin draws the one who forgives sin. So don't think your sin can separate you from God. If sin could separate God from us, it would be impossible for Jesus to come to the earth. When Jesus walked on the earth, there was not one born again. But Jesus was a friend with many people. 
Imagine that. The gift of God is eternal life. It's a gift. You cannot work for it. You cannot live holy to get eternal life. You believe. Then God gives you eternal life. And because eternal life is holy, you will find holiness start to show in you. A holiness is not a commandment. It's a gift from God. That's how it works. Church, this message we will preach in Kalabu. And we will continue to preach it. And you'll hear this message continue in the earth. Until Jesus Christ comes. And I can promise you this. All other messages will fall away. They will be removed by the power of God. And only the message of God's love will remain in the earth. That's why the Bible says some people, some preach, they talk about preachers there, teachers. Some build with hay, wood, and stubble, others with precious stones, gold and silver. But when the fire came, the teaching of hay, wood, and stubble was burnt. But the teaching, which was of precious stones, silver, and gold, remained. Let us build with what is of gold. Our commitment and our works is just like the grass. Today it's there, tomorrow it's gone. But the pure gold of the kingdom of God is the love God has for you. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. <clears throat> I just want everybody that is here if you are saying, Lord Jesus, I want to hear your good news. I want nothing else. I want you to stand right now. I want to pray for you. If you say, I, don't, I just want the good news, not the law, please stand up. Thank you. People want to, con those who want the grace gospel, 
and not the law message, you can stand up. Amen. Amen. Those that stand, let us pray together. Father, I want to pray for these people here that have stood up and committed themselves to the gospel of grace, which say, Lord, I want understanding. Thank you, Father, that you open their minds, that they can see how high, how wide, how deep, and how long your love is, which is to bring eternal life and immortality to man. Father, I pray for them, that as from today, as they stand up and say, God, here am I. I want to receive it as a gift. I don't want salvation by my works. I thank you, Lord, that as I see them stand here and I stretch forth my hand, I know your Holy Spirit is working in their hearts. And Father, thank you that as they stand, that your life floods them. Your goodness floods them. Understanding floods them. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. I declare them all blessed. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Let's clap our hands for the Lord Jesus Christ. I also want to thank everybody that's watched the end of this message via YouTube or Facebook. Thank you for allowing me to serve you with this good news. And I also want to thank everybody that has helped to sponsor this trip to Zambia. And uh, for this message to go out to churches in this area, there are many other churches in this area that just don't know this message. They don't know the love of God. The focus is sin. The focus is what you must do for God. It is guilt. It is condemnation. It is not done from malicious hearts. It is just done from ignorance. People need to hear the good news. And thank you so much that we can come as a team to Zambia and bring the good news of Jesus Christ to this place. Amen and amen.